Jesus said this will happen. There are people in Portland who will be coming before him. Verse 22, many will say to me, he said, this is going to happen. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. There are people living today who will come before him and say, didn't we go to church? Didn't we do this? Didn't we do that in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. There are many people in Portland who think that they can be a Christ follower and not turn loose of their sin. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, False Professors. I invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. I'll, I'll pick it up. Actually, I want to read the context because his words shouldn't be yanked out, it doesn't seem to me. So he starts, verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many are those who enter by it. The gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Beware of the false prophets. Beware of the false voices who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Last week, I underlined seven uh, descriptive factors of false voices, false prophets, if you will. They were all through the Old Testament. They're all through the New Testament. They go right on up to today. There are many false voices in Portland today. And... uh, He said, you'll know them by their fruits, verse 16. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the rotten tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear fruit, nor can a rotten tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits." False prophets, false religious teachers, false voices that speak for God, false advertising that tells you what life is all about is really a false prophet. Uh, They pretend to be from God. They disguise themselves, we see. They uh, traffic in new teaching or other teaching. Beware of anyone who brings another book or another way of looking at things. Uh, They tend to be optimistic. Uh, We saw they say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Right until the end, right until Jesus gets back, he said that they will be saying peace and safety when there is none. Beware of those who constantly deal in positive. If you're under some teaching that is always positive, you're under false teaching. Because the Bible doesn't always say nice, positive things. The Bible tells the truth. Uh, False teachers, fourthly, often encourage sin. In fact, I think I could say always, but I'll leave it at that. Uh, They strengthen the hands of evildoers. They tell people that you can live how you like. Don't worry about it. Uh, God doesn't care. Or things have changed, and we used to think that was wrong, but we voted and it's not anymore, that kind of thing. They're often eloquent, fifth characteristic. Paul warned about smooth and flattering voices that tell you what you want to hear instead of what you need to hear. 
They are driven, sixthly, uh, not by God's glory and God's truth, but Paul said in Philippians 3, their appetite, what they really want, is their belly, (laughs) their own self, their own gratification. Be careful, be careful. And I I ended, and I'll just point it out again, the... uh, the main characteristic of a false teacher is that he denies Christ. I usually ask when people bring me some new thing or whatever, I say, what do they say about Christ? What do they say about Christ? The person and work of Christ. Well, today he moves, our Lord moves, verse 21, from false prophets to false professors. What I'm saying here is that not everybody that professes to be a follower of Christ is. So uh, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Uh, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a, an eminent physician in England. He'd gone to the right schools. He was brilliant. He was uh, in line to be the physician to the queen and king, you know, the royal family. And he was young and had all this before him. And uh, in the 1920s, he felt constrained to walk away from his medical career and begin to proclaim the Bible, preach. And he took a little country parish, uh, and he, God greatly used him, greatly used him in my life, actually. But uh, his, he left a great shadow, you might say, and I don't mean that in a negative way, I mean that in a positive way. Uh, he died in 1981. But he said about these verses, verse 21 through 23, he said the most solemn and solemnizing words ever uttered in this world, not only by any man, but even by the Son of God himself. He said these are the most solemn words Jesus ever ever uttered. Uh, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but he who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? In your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Uh, And then right on the heels of that, he gives another warning. Verse 24 through 27 He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And he will will take a look at that, but he moves on into uh, another warning. So the first warning, uh, let me just give you the big picture and then we'll take a look at it because these are solemn words that Jesus closed this message with. Uh, Verses 21 through 23, he warns about merely a verbal profession saying that you are a follower of Christ rather than saying and acting on it. Then the next one, verse 24 through 27, he warns about a mere intellectual 
uh, knowledge. Uh, and he says, no, in contrast, there must be not only a hearing, because both men that built their houses heard, but only one acted on it. So in both cases, he's calling for reality. Now, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. Uh, this is a recurring theme of scripture. Don't, by the way, be surprised that there are people maybe in your neighborhood, maybe in your office. There's certainly many people in Portland who would claim to be Christians who aren't. Not everyone who says they are a Christian is. Uh, it's not always easy to distinguish between the true, the true and the false, but Jesus said there's a great division coming. Turn over to Matthew 13. Look at Matthew 13. There will be a great division uh, orchestrated by the Lord himself. And he told several stories in Matthew 13 about, you know, the way this age is going to play out. And he told an agricultural one where there would be this final harvest and uh, where there was this mixed condition. The crop was mixed with false, the wheat, and there were some tares in there. It looked like grain, but not really. And they said, should we, should we go in there and rip out the false? And he said, no, no, let it grow together. And then verse 30, allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn." Uh, in both cases, by the way, as he tells these stories, he often amplifies them. Turn to verse 40 in that same chapter. And he said this, Therefore, just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man, that's Jesus, that's his favorite self-designation, will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness. And will cast them into the furnace of fire. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. He says, listen to me on this. If you want another one, uh, look at verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. He uses another analogy. Cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. My cousin used to be a gill netter, and I went out with him, and we'd string that big net out there, and that kind of a net, you'd, you'd catch all kinds of stuff. And then you gathered the net in and sorted it out. Well, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up on the beach, and they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels shall come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will cast them into the furnace of fire. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. This is the Lord speaking. And he says, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord. Now notice, he's not criticizing saying, Lord, Lord. You must say, Lord. He is the Lord. Uh, the issue today is coming to him, but he's calling for reality. 
So he's not saying, don't say, Lord, Lord. In fact, when you come to know Jesus Christ, you confess him. You call him Lord. Romans says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, man believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses. So when you, come, when you become convinced that Jesus is indeed who he said he is, you should confess him. And he's not saying not to. In fact, he said you can't say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. But just saying it is not enough. And people can say things that are false. He says where there's real faith, where there's real confession, there will be a change of life. And he says, uh, people will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we, you know, call you Lord? And he says, no, no, it's not enough just to say that. So verse 21 kind of gives the general principle. Uh, and then verse 22 and 23, he kind of fleshes it out. And by the way, did you notice verse 22 and 23 are a, uh, it's, it's a prophecy, Jesus said, this will happen. There are people in Portland who will be coming before him, verse 22. Many will say to me, he said, this is going to happen. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? There are people living today who will come before him and say, didn't we go to church didn't we do this? Didn't we do that in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. There are many people in Portland who think that they can be a Christ follower and not turn loose of their sin. When you come to Christ, you must turn to him, and in so doing, you turn your back on your sin. Now, don't misunderstand me or Jesus. He doesn't say you'll never sin again. He says that when you turn to him, you turn to him and embrace him as Lord, and it'll change the way you live, and you will not practice, notice, verse 23, lawlessness. To call him Lord is to recognize who he is, and in the epistles, he often and actually, Jesus used the word too, this matter of repentance. It's a changing of your whole mindset and turning to him. So it's not enough to merely kind of call him Lord, call him sir, say, no, I believe that. No, he says, depart from me, I never knew you. And by the way, did you notice that too? He doesn't say here, I used to know you, but you messed up. He never says that. He says, I never knew you. When you really come to Christ... He embraces you, and he will see you safely through. But there are many who have never yet come to him. Uh, but you say, wait a minute, though. Look at, look at that. They, they prophesied in your name. They cast out demons. Yeah. Think Judas Iscariot. <laughs> he went out and preached. And did miracles. You see, the supernatural alone doesn't validate the reality of what's in the heart. Turn over to 2 Thessalonians for just a second. 2 Thessalonians, because Jesus said the age will be increasingly characterized by falsehood. And right before he comes back, Paul wrote this description for us. 2 Thessalonians 2, 
when he's describing the return of Christ, he said, then, verse 8, then, then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wonders, with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. Apparently, the last days, Jesus said, will be characterized by one who can do supernatural things, the Antichrist. And uh, that shouldn't really shock us. When Moses went before Pharaoh in the name of the Lord and said, let my people go, Pharaoh said, what do you do for a sign? What do you show me here? And remember, Moses threw down his staff and it became a serpent. And Pharaoh told the magicians, hey, my magicians, in the name of evil, they were able to do the same thing. Satan is very powerful and can conjure up stuff. Now, you remember whose snake ate whose, though, right? Go read it. It's, it's good to remember. But they, they could match the signs. Satan can match the signs of God to some extent. But if you remember, I went back and reread it, you know. And in the Exodus, when the, one of the plagues was they brought the plagues on, I mean the gnats, remember? And so Pharaoh said to his magicians, and they couldn't do it. There's a point where the creature, which Satan is a creature, he cannot. And then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Wake up. He didn't, and many won't. But I'm telling you, don't be caught up just because something is supernatural. Didn't we perform miracles in your name? Depart from me. I never knew you. No, uh, the will of the Father is the key. The one who does the will of the Father. Those who are, to think of Jesus' whole sermon, those who are poor in spirit. Those who, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Those, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Have you really come to Jesus Christ? He would ask. What use is it, my brethren, if a man says that he has faith, but he has no works? James puts it, a different way. Um, now, you say, Scott, what are you saying? Well, the question isn't, what am I saying? The question is, what is Jesus saying? Well, then he changes gears. Verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and burst against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and burst against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Two people, he says, building a house. And he said, the two houses look very similar. Because it's hard to see the foundation, isn't it? You, have to, you really can't see it. But we know the difference because Jesus told us the story. But notice the similarities, the wise and the foolish builder. Uh, they both heard. Notice verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine is the wise man. But he goes to the foolish man and he also says, everyone who hears these words of mine. They both know They've both heard, but 
the wise man heard and acted upon them. The foolish man, verse 26, heard these same words and did not act upon them. Every time you hear the word of God, you have a choice to make. And Jesus said, your life choice, hearing from God, is whether you listen and heed and act upon what you have heard. James says, uh, don't be forgetful hearers, but effective doers of the word. The whole word of God is to point us to Jesus Christ. I tell you today, enter by the narrow gate. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Build your house on the rock, the solid foundation of Jesus Christ himself by listening and heeding his words and turning to him. Don't build your house on the sand. It might look good for a while. But notice the similarities too. In each case, the rains came. The uh, floods came. The winds blew. And they were ill winds against that house. No one will get through life and on into eternity without this kind of thing. It might go well for a while. You might be built on the sand and think, hey, things are cool. But there's coming a day, Jesus said, on that day, verse 22. And uh, the end of his message, the house built by hearing his word but not acting upon it, not responding, was the foolish man built on the sand and the winds blew against that house and it fell and mega, that's the word he used, mega was its fall. Your life is a building project. My life is a building project. Are you building on Christ? Have you come to know him? You could be doing well financially in your career and yet really the surf is coming in. You're, you're kind of just building a sandcastle. You say, but it looks good. And yeah, but the day is coming. Jesus closed his most famous sermon with these ominous words. It fell and great was its fall. Oh, I tell you, you come to Christ and you put your faith in him and you build your life on his words and his what wisdom. And the winds will come, the waves will come, but you'll stand firm because the Lord takes care of his own. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled False Professors, a message from our study of the Gospel of Matthew. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to AbideInTheWord.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. If you've ever wanted Pastor Scott's sermon library in the palm of your hand, we have a new app available called the Abide app. It's available in both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Along with the sermon library, you'll also find Scott's written publications, biblical seminars on a variety of subjects, daily devotional videos, this radio program, and the Abide Method, a monthly Bible reading and writing plan developed by Scott to give you the opportunity to read and write out Scripture. These resources all come free within the app, so if you're looking to deepen your relationship with Christ, 
please consider downloading the Abide app. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us for our live online Sunday worship service at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. You can find us live on YouTube by searching for SW Bible Live or go to swbible.org and click on Live Stream. We also broadcast the service live on the radio on True Talk 800 a.m. It's best to check the 800 a.m. program guide for up-to-the-minute schedule adjustments. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Moses and David and Samuel and Elijah and Isaiah and Jeremiah, many, many Hebrew prophets had come, and they always were conscious. They would say, thus says the Lord. And then they would speak. They were mouthpieces for God. And God wanted them to say that. It was written down for our instruction. Somebody told me that it's written 2,000 times in the Old Testament. Thus says the Lord. The Bible speaks with that kind of authority. But Jesus never said that. He would say, I say to you. I say to you. It sets him apart from even the Old Testament prophets. He was so certain of his authority that he said the essence of human wisdom or foolishness was how you respond to what he says. Join us again next time as we continue our study of Matthew's Gospel. Pastor Scott will bring a message, the final message, within the Sermon on the Mount titled, His Unique Authority. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.